0: So how many of you loved garden? Okay, quite a few of you. Well, I I admire you, because I don't. But my whole family is, they're the happiest if they're outside tending the garden. That's just their heart. And so that's why I chose the gardener for my name of God today. It just resonated with me for my whole life really and in, in John 15 1 Jesus says I am the true grapevine my father is the gardener now it kind of seems like that's beneath God you know to be a gardener do you think that <laughs> but I, I love what Sandra said this morning so much about the gardener and so, actually, uh, in those days, uh, it was agrarian culture. And so everyone was familiar with gardens and the importance of the vine to flourish those gardens. And so God is speaking to our hearts about that. And actually, the vine, the golden vine, became a blessing in Israel. And this picture that that will come up, you might not be able to see it specifically, but it is a depiction of the golden vine that is surrounding the entrance. And the interesting thing is, when someone had a leaf or a berry or a cluster of fruit or vegetables to, to bring, they came there, they gave their free will offering, and then one of the men climbed up the ladder and attached that offering to the vine. Isn't that beautiful? So God, God wants us to, to be clinging to him, doesn't He? And we're going to be talking about several gardens today. The first one is the Garden of Eden. And that's where human life began. And the verse there is Genesis 2, 8, and 9 uh, and 10. Then the Lord God planted a garden in the Eden, in Eden in the east. And there he placed the man he had made. A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden, and then dividing into four branches. Now, do you sometimes wonder what the Garden of Eden looked like? I mean, just imagine you know, the trees and the flowers and the brilliant colors and just the fragrance in, those, in that garden. And Adam and Eve had freedom to walk in that garden. They experienced his presence. And I was really moved by this next scripture. In Genesis 3:8, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. And that reminded me of my sophomore year in college when I was a new believer. And I had heard about the song in the garden. And many of you are familiar with that. Uh, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And And the sound I hear flowing on my ears, the Son of God discloses. And then, you know, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. And so Adam and Eve must have felt so close to God. And I used to sing that chorus every morning as I crossed the campus on the way to my first class. And I just felt so close to God. And I knew that he was going to be with me throughout the day. So as a young believer, I just loved singing to Jesus. And so, Adam and Eve, they had so much freedom in that garden. And I mean, they planted, but they could walk any place they wanted. They could enjoy. They, they planted, yes. But they could enjoy the sound of, of God walking in the garden. And God had only given them one restriction. He said, you can, you can eat from all the trees in the garden, but do not eat the garden of the knowledge of good and evil. If you do, you will surely die." Well, they heard it, but in a moment's time sin entered their hearts and they listened to the distorted words of the enemy instead of looking to Father God and obeying him. And so their sin destroyed this wonderful, intimate relationship with the Father God. And the Garden of Eden was no more. God had to banish them. Because if they, in their sin, had eaten the tree of life and lived forever, it would be with their sin. So he had to let them go. Can you imagine the grief of watching his children walk away? But he had a plan for the rest of the world. And he just he, <laughs> was joyful about new births and new cities and new countries, and so things were good. But then he also allowed sinful man to walk on paths that brought about war and sickness and death. So the world was in a turmoil for so many generations. But I love the rescue he brought about at this Red Sea. We know how the children, actually the children uh, of God in Israel flourished. They had a wonderful life and a wonderful business. But then Pharaoh decided, hmm, they'd make wonderful servants for us. He gathered them. And we can't even imagine the hardship Do you know how long they survived? 430 years of servanthood. And so then we know how God had said to Moses, I want you to lead the children of Israel away. And so Pharaoh said yes, then he said no. The plagues came, it was a terrible, terrible time. And so the the children thought, there's no way. He's never going to say yes. And so they had a lot of fear. And I, I love this, um, this verse here in Exodus. It's not in your notes, but Exodus 14, 13. Moses told them, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see again. So Moses stretched his, his arms as they came toward the Red Sea, and they could see the Egyptian armies chasing after them. They really didn't know what was going to happen. But they're in, they're, as the water parted, they're on dry land. They're moving toward, toward, the, red, uh, toward the end of the Red Sea. And they didn't know what was going to happen. But then, as soon as all of them had put their toes onto land, they looked and um, Moses had put his arms around again and the water crushed them. Uh, It's amazing. I mean, these poor people thought they were never going to escape. But God... Rescued them, and uh, uh, Psalm 80, sorry, I was still at the Red Sea, Um, (laughs) Psalm 80, 8-9, you and the, this is the children of Israel, I'm sure, sure they said many things back to God, but this is recorded. You brought us, they're speaking to God, you brought us from Egypt like a grapevine. You drove away the pagan nations and transplanted us. He, tra- he didn't give up on them, he transplanted them into, and it says you transplanted us into your land, the promised land. You cleared the ground for us and we took root and filled the land. Such a wonderful (laughs) ending, but I think it's so so profound that they took time to thank God because who would have rescued them but God? So let's, let's fast forward many generations to another part of God's plan that unfolded in the Garden of Gethsemane. He took them, uh, Jesus took his disciples to to the upper room. He knew his time was drawing near. He took them to the upper room. He prepared the last supper for them. And he told them many things that he knew they would need to remember when he was gone. And one of them was the verse that we talked about today, where Jesus said, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener so many things he told them and so then he knew he needed to to take them away where he could pray to his father so after supper he led them to the garden of uh, Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives, and this was a very familiar place because they often prayed there together. And he knew all the people that hated him. He knew Ju- Judas Iscariot was going to to um, betray him. I'm sorry, I was. Uh, I mean, so many things were against him. And yet, he had a father. So they were now in, uh, on the Mount of Olives. And he uh, <laughs> asked them, please, please wait here while I pray to my father. And so they and he took Peter, James, and John over here. And then he said, could you three sit here and watch and pray? And he went a short distance away. And he prayed to the father. Agony. And then he came to find them, and what did he find? Sleeping. Okay. So then, he he went a second time and prayed. And this time, he said, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it your will be done so then he went away and prayed some more and we know that he said yes father so after that third time he he woke the disciples and and he said my hour has come we must go and and we know that he was willing to die for us that we might live. And so we see the garden tomb. And after Jesus' horrifying death on the cross, he was laid in the garden tomb. In a tomb that belong in a tomb that belonged to Joseph of Arimathea. Mm. And he had Talk to Jesus, you know. So Sunday morning arrived. And I think it's so interesting how Mark and his epistle has a whole extra section that none of the other epistles have. But it's in most Bibles. And it says, after Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast... Uh, Out seven demons. Now I heard a sermon by Robert Morris and he said that actually the song in the garden was the song of Mary Magdalene. Now men just indulge me for a couple minutes while I read two more verses and ladies just imagine just Imagine and listen to these songs that Mary Magdalene are verses that she said. He speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet. The birds hush their singing and the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing. I'd stay in the garden with him. Though the night around me be falling, but he bids me go. Through the voice of woe, his voice to me is calling." What she must have experienced that day. And you know, it was so intuitive that she reached out to touch him, but he he said, no, don't touch me. I haven't ascended yet. So then he told her to run and tell the disciples. And so she raced down to where they were, and she said, I saw Jesus. But many of them didn't believe. And only after many appearances did they finally realize that is the truth. That is the Lord. Now, (laughs) Jesus says, to them. They went to Galilee, to the the mountain that he had designated. And he reminded them of a promise. And you know what that promise was? That he would send the Holy Spirit. So that's what he says. Now I will send the Holy Spirit. Just as the Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. They needed to wait. For that time. And then Jesus led them as far as Bethany. Blessed them. Can you imagine? I mean even what words did he use? And how could they even fathom what was happening? But they watched him ascend. To his heavenly home. And you know we celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate the ascension. But the question is, what does God want us to do while we're waiting for Christ to come again? Well, he wants us to let him be the gardener of our hearts. He is right here with us. And he wants to talk with us through the Holy Spirit. He wants to just be so close to us. Yes, he's in heaven, but he's here. And let's read a few more verses from John 15. The first one, which we've said, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they can produce even more. Remain in me, and I in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So the pruning—that's the hard part. It involves clipping, cropping, cutting away, paring down, shaving off, shortening, and snipping. Now, you gardeners, you know what that all looks like and how that happens, right? But but Jesus says, "I ha- I have to prune you." that's the way you can flourish and that's the way you can grow. And you know whenever i think about pruning i always think of my grandfather. He he raised roses and he had beautiful rose gardens. And then when he retired he he asked my mother could could i tend your rose garden marjorie? And so one day he was over there and so i tripped down the stairs and went over and I was horrified at what I saw. I said, granddaddy, why are you cutting off all the branches? How are the flowers going to come again? And he just smiled and said, by pruning, that means they'll be even more beautiful the next season. And they were. So he, he needs. He needs to prune us. And I have to tell you, I, I told you my whole family loves gardening. My uncle, that's only just a slice of, the, of his garden. But this picture, he is teaching his small grandson how to tend a garden. And as I look at those hands, I, I think they're clipping. And so, That is just a beautiful picture for us of how God kneels by our side. He he cares about, he teaches us, he just shows his love. And he will always be with us that way. But we have to remain in him so he can remain in us. And And sometimes we resist that that pruning, but you know he is pruning us so that we can fulfill the mission that he has called us to. We have to fulfill the purpose, the exact purpose that he has designed for us. And yes, it's going to be pruning. And yes, it's going to be cutting away. And yes, it's going to be shaping us in a different way so that we can tell others about God even more clearly. And that purpose for all of us with all our different gifts is so we can tell the good news and that others would come to Jesus as well. That's the whole purpose. He wants us to become his real disciples. And you know, with Jesus, everything that we need he gives us the, the spiritual nourishment, the strength, the power to, to do God's work. And so we need to be connected to that vine. He has everything that we need. Now, sometimes we may think, oh, I'll just create this beautiful life over here, and we d- depend on our own power to get through our days. But Jesus is just waiting to show us how to walk through our days. Are you connected to the vine? Is he providing nourishment for you? Not not just a pleasant time in church, but is he with you every day? And if you aren't connected, if you've never had that experience, you can experience it today. So I'm going to ask us to just bow our heads for a minute. And if you aren't connected to the vine,er you feel like you're very far from that, raise your hands while we're still bowed. You can be so close to Jesus. And let's just say, Father God, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I want to be connected to you forever. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. And you know, when we have Jesus in us, then we have hope. Then we have joy. Then we have power to be the people that he wants us to be. It's a wonderful place, is it not? And so, we ask the question, what are we supposed to do until Christ comes again? We've learned so many things from from John, from Sandra, from these passages. And there, there are two things that stuck in my mind that you have there in your notes. And I just wonder if you will declare those things with me today. Say with me, I want to be the branch that stays connected to Jesus, the vine. I want to let God, the gardener, prune me so I can produce beautiful fruit by telling others about him. And when those of us who are connected to God We will one day be in heaven, and we will see our Abba Father, and we will see the new Garden of Eden that he's created for us, and we will be there forever with him. So while we're waiting for Jesus to come again, let's live for him. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.